You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Police Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, and they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. That moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. I think that what we're forgetting is that racism is a very lucrative project. Mm-hmm. As long as you can keep a whole bunch of people down because you miseducated the whole population. Then you can make money off those people. So what is the gospel? What is the pure unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by. Because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate, is love God and do whatever the f- you want. Peace and blessings, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to the finale of the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we have unapologetically discussed our worldview since 2017, March 11th, 2017, to be exact. And that is the reason, I'm sorry, no, not, not March 11th, March 7th, 2017, to be exact. And that is the reason why I am releasing this episode. Six years later, March 7th, 2023, to put a cap, to put a bow on this beautiful experience, this beautiful project that is known as the Socks and Sandals podcast. Um, This I'm so glad I'm not live right now because uh, I'm already emotional um, for many reasons, but uh I'm going to spend this this time just really, you know, those that have been here from the beginning or just have been tapped in for quite some time have heard the story. Um, But I'm going to tell the story in its uh, in its totality of why this podcast came to be, how it came to be, the inspiration um, and why it's coming to a close. And also just kind of recapping the last six years, man, it's, it's been amazing. The last Three years have definitely slowed down with the production ever since the pandemic, you know. Um, but man, 27, 2017 to twenty nineteen, and even in twenty twenty was man had a hell of a run. So, um, whew, let me get into it. Let me get into it, man. First things first. I love each and every one of you, um, everyone that has listened, that has reached out via text, email, uh, tapped in, of course, on social media. Um, Everybody that commented when I first went on uh, <laughs> on uh, Apple podcast, like it was it's crazy. Like it's crazy to think in 2017 when I started this, I started on SoundCloud um, with a, a laptop and a mic and I'm ending it the same way. A laptop and, and my mic, uh, my $70 microphone that has done me justice for the past six years. Right. So um it's crazy how back in 2017, 
podcasting it wasn't new but it wasn't it still wasn't like fairly known like widely known and when i started it people were like yo what what are you doing so you just so wait you just talk is it like a radio show it's like nah it ain't a radio show it's, it's kind of like a radio but it's like on demand like, oh, okay that's kind of cool <laughs> right and it was just really like when i launched the podcast it was still it was still a time of really 2017 2018 um and kind of even into 2019 was like trying to convince people to listen and also get it in their mind like this is a this is a regular thing and this is actually really cool you know but people started to catch on and and so on and so forth and and things did really take off in in 2019 ish um even before that but i'll chronicle everything man but uh yeah to just think of how obscure podcasting was back in 2017 uh and how widespread and mainstream is it kind of when i think about podcasting it makes me think about my journey of getting into beats and producing um i remember back in what the year 2000 um when when speedy shout out to jonathan stevens his government but y'all a lot of y'all that know me know him as speedy when speedy uh took me to sei and he put me on because we had always talked about making beats right and then he took me to the uh he would sneak me into sei because i wasn't really signed up but i would go to the after school program go to the computer lab that's right i'm old we, we had computer labs because there wasn't no laptops like that and so um took me to the computer lab I was like hey bro they got this they got this thing called fruity loops you can make beats on the computer i'm like what and it's like that was the beginning era like before it was fl studio because they got sued by the by the serial company for calling like you know name infringement whatever and so but back when it was fruity loops like me and him were like some of the first people at least locally i know for sure in portland to really be making beats on fruity loops um but it was dope the way that we did it because we understood that and everybody understood the the sounds that came on fruity loops it sounded like nintendo sounds right and so uh, you really had to beef up your sounds. You had to actually, we had, we would spend hours, literally like hours per day going online and searching. You would just go on like LimeWire, just random websites, and you could download different instrument sounds and different drums. And so like you had to literally get your own drums, um, kicks and snares and hi-hats and whatnot. Uh, and you had to get like get sam- samples. You had to go to uh, like download Acid or SoundForge. And then, you know, download the MP3 or whatever the case might be, and then do your sampling manually on the computer. Like it was a crazy process, but like it was the cutting edge of making beats at home and not having to go to a studio or have a keyboard or so on and so forth. So software, the software um, function of making beats. And so we started doing that and but our beats sounded clean, though, <laughs> like by the time we got out of high school, our beats like when they're like, oh, you made that on Fruity Loops, bro. That don't sound like Fruity. Like, yeah, nah, we we do it different. You know what I mean? Like, we freaked it. But I say all that to say, me podcasting back in 2017, um, and just kind of being, uh, as it pertains to like a more urban context. Not to say that there weren't podcasters already out, and I heard about podcasts back in like 2009, 2010. But I didn't even have an iPhone back then, so it was just like it was very obscure. But um, but yeah, like podcasting in 2017 reminds me of when we were making beats on fruity loops 
back in the early 2000s before it became like a widespread thing. And by the mid and late 2000s, everybody was on free or, or FL studio. Right. And then you had uh, eventually like the first real Fruity Loops mainstream uh, like smash. You know what I mean? When Soldier Boy put out his song, that was like the first Fruity Loops beat that really blew somebody up but before that it was just kind of really obscure thing and people kind of made fun of it but it but then everybody started using it right and so that's kind of how uh, my journey of podcasting is like man everybody is making beats now <laughs> everybody's using fruity loops or fl studio now but it, it's it's cool um to be on the front end of both of those waves um and to see things grow and see things progress um and just that that parallel you know, basically almost 20 years later, you know, or technically 17 years later is, is pretty cool to look back and see like, wow, that happened again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just the new, uh, the new technology. So hold on. There's a spider hanging right in front of me and I have to murder this before I, uh, God damn it. got him. Sorry, man. I wouldn't have did that to you, but I'm recording and I can't, I don't have the time. Anyway, RIP to little spider. Um, moving forward, man, last episode. Um, oh man. So basically this podcast, it began as a passion project. The story I've told once again, many a times y'all going to hear it for the last time. Um, and I appreciate you every time that you sat through this, but, um, this is old to some and, and new to others, right? So the, the the inspiration for the podcast began back in 2014, and it was in the midst of the Trayvon Martin case and the Mike Brown killings, um, Laquan McDonald, among others, right? Tamir Rice, all that stuff was happening. And around that time in 2014, 2015, something deep inside of me was awoken, like when those murders were going viral uh, a sleeping giant if you will and so the definitive conclusions of racism were beginning to go viral like we i knew racism existed we all knew racism existed like growing up in portland living through gentrification and just living in portland as a black person like it racism you're not immune to it it's not it's not a novel idea. We've all experienced it in some way, shape or form, whether it's through the school system, um, going playing sports, uh, going out to just, you know, random places, Salem or Eugene or just anywhere. And then it's super homogenous out there and they saying some crazy stuff or looking at you crazy and treating you different, you know, all that type of stuff. So but now, like it was definitive how how strong and how compelling racism was in the hearts and minds of society uh, so much so that it was playing out as heinous murders and borderline lynchings um just modern day lynchings instead of them being hung up on a tree um they were just their murders were being blasted across social media and on the news uh, for everyone to see and as a form of uh shock value and, and entertainment um so in the summer of 2015, I attended a forum at Warner Pacific College, and it was called Race, Faith and Justice in the Age of Ferguson in Baltimore. And I, I'll never forget that moment. I, I went with the uh, 
uh, with my girl Valerie. Uh, shout out to Valley O'Malley. She was on a, a few of the early episodes, man. So, but she she went with me to that event. And I think it was somebody else that we went with too. Um, was it Jasmine or? I don't know. We, it was a lot of people that, that was there that I remember I knew. But essentially, we went to that event at Warner Pacific, and um, it was people from all over the city, uh, and they were there to discuss racism and the racial uprisings in America. So there was it was hosted by Portland native Dr. Damon Glenn. He was the moderator, um, and he just, as he always does, he masterfully led the discussion just in a very smooth way um and he brought the right type of people out among the panelists two people that i distinctly remember speaking and it just so happens that i eventually interviewed these folks on the podcast like never had didn't even wasn't even thinking about a podcast at this time but i was just inquiring about race and racism and why is it such a strong divider or connector of people uh why is all this stuff going on uh and so i remember seeing joanne hardesty and eric knox on stage and they spoke passionately um, eloquent, eloquently, and just really, you know, touched to the heart of the of the topic at hand, and didn't hold back. Um, and Miss Hardesty, Miss Hardesty, she really stood out the most to me because she spoke with such fire and, and conviction uh, that to me at the moment was undeniable. And towards the end of the night, she even mentioned details about the murder of Keaton Otis by the hands of Portland police. Um, she gave details of foul play which i had never heard and that revelation cut deep because keaton was a friend of mine um we wasn't too close but i mean we were we were friends we're acquaintances like we kicked it me him and james man like some of the funniest dudes when they when they got together shout out to james mason um but you know, we, we went to Minson together, we played football, that type of stuff, man. Graduated in the same class, oh three. But until that night I had only heard the narrative that Keaton had a mental health episode. The police pulled him over and supposedly he shot at some cops and then the rest of the cops opened fire and killed him. But it was that night, like my mind was blown to learn about the injustice that was involved in Keaton's death and the actual story that he did not have a gun, that he did not shoot cops, that the gun that they placed in the car was actually a stolen gun from a different crime. It didn't, it didn't even, um, it didn't even, uh, belong to Keaton. He wasn't the owner. And that, and that made sense to me. Cause I always knew, knew Keaton as a very happy go lucky type dude. Like he was just a jokester. Like he, he was never aggressive. Like, and not to say that anybody can't develop, you know, mental health um, issues or whatever the case might be later on. But it wasn't it wasn't that long between high school and then when he was murdered. It might have might have been less than 10 years. But it was, but regardless, I'm just like Keaton did what? Like, that's not even his not even anywhere near close to his character. So when I heard that story from Joanne, um, I was blown away and even more was was just unlocked in me like this curiosity like yo what what the hell is going on man like i feel like everything that's being shown to me is not true it's not a hundred and i gotta get down to the bottom of this and i just had an insatiable curiosity to figure out the depths and the foundation of race and racism um but essentially after you after the event ended i stayed after i made my way through the crowd 
and made a point to speak with uh, Miss Joanne Hardesty. Um, and honestly, like with tears welling up in my eyes, I told her that I went to high school with Keaton and I had never heard the narrative that she shared with us that night. Um, and I thanked her. I thanked her that, you know, for all that she spoke about, um, just for her honesty and just just sharing that that narrative because I never knew. <clears throat> uh, she gave me her her card. I still I actually still have that that business card um, when she had, was was doing her consulting work. Um, but yeah, later that night, I went home and I actually found the footage. It's been taken down, but it was like on it was like a, I think it was like on Vimeo or something like that. I don't even know if Vimeo is still in business, but it was on Vimeo. I think it was on Vimeo and not YouTube. It was an obscure link. Um, but I actually saw the video footage of the Ketis Odin shooting. Ketis, Keaton Otis shooting. Um, and that that shook me to my core. Um, and so this was like a real turning point in my life. Uh, and this was a definitive moment that basically birth the desire to understand racism at a deeper level um and so also at this time 2014 2015 i'm i'm working in insurance i'm doing great like and i felt free right like financially i was doing really good um and i also worked at a job where i was like selling insurance over the phone to people basically on in the midwest and on the east coast some in california but like it was a call center style environment um the company really didn't care about what you did off the clock. All they cared about was show up, hit your numbers, go home. It is what it is. Right. And so I didn't have any like public facing issues to deal with when it came to like, if I wanted to speak my mind, I could just speak like I'm in sales. I, I work, I, I work off commission. So, and I don't, I don't hold any weight as it pertains to the reputation of this company. Like nobody knows me. Everybody that I sell to, I've never seen them. It's just a phone conversation across the country. Right. And so I was like, man, I'm kind of free to speak about the things that I really feel. Um, and I know that other people feel the way that I do, but they don't have the freedom to speak because they work in public facing jobs and they might get fired for what they say. But I can speak about it. So I felt like I should take that on because I, I had the ability to do so and I had the passion to do so. Um, but also around this time. At the same time, I began questioning Christianity and not necessarily the veracity of the Bible, but because I was still very much a firm believer in Christ at the time. But the politics of the church, like racial segregation of churches, I was questioning that heavy around this time of, you know, black murder. That was being that was going viral. Um, and so just the fact of racial segregation of churches and how prevalent that was even in the 2000s right this led me to question if white people could even truly be christians right like how could you be a christian if you were racist i guess i should put it that way how could how can a white person be a christian if you're racist it seemed like a clear oxymoron to me right like Either you love Christ and anyone that believes in the faith is your brother or you're racist and you just happen to culturally adhere 
to the religion or to the ideology of Christianity, but you don't live it and you don't believe it and you don't practice all the things that Jesus teaches. So it's like, I, you know, I was and at the time I started reading um, or no, actually, actually, I didn't even read the United Independent Compensatory Code System concept yet. But essentially what I came to understand is that um, a very simple definition of religion is religion is a strong belief backed up by action. So you, you can't a religion is not just something that you believe, but don't act upon, but it's just something that you believe and it's backed up by action. And so if you believe in the separation and segregation and subjugation and exploitation and extermination and antagonization of non-white people, then you are a racist and you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve racism, systematic racism and serve Jesus at the same time. So and I know and we know what people are by their fruits and so if you produce segregation and you produce passiveness when it pertains to justice for your brothers that have a different um, skin tone that's what you practice that is your belief and it's backed up by action so your religion is white supremacy in my in my book but I digress so so during this time 2014 2015 2016 um it led me to explore all the questions i had suppressed about christianity um and i started digging really not necessarily about christianity but i started digging about race like once again why is race such a strong divider or connector of people why is race such a big deal is race even real isn't it just a a social construct isn't it just made up like why are why are people so bent out of shape about it and so i went on youtube and i watched a video by uh by dr joy degru and um she was she was giving a a lecture i think it was a lecture about her book post-traumatic slave syndrome uh, and she was giving a lecture. I believe she was overseas, like in London or or Paris or something like that. And um, she was giving a lecture about her about her book in a presentation. And so that is what opened up my eyes and ears to the truth about race and racism and the social construct of race in the scientific fallacy of race by, you know, folks like. Dr. Carl Linnaeus, and I think she talked about Blumenbach and um, brought up a whole bunch of inconsistencies based upon the words of Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, among others. Right. Um, and then I started listening to podcasts that spoke about religion. And then at the time, I was still a super huge sports fan and I would listen to first take every day. Um, and so like the podcast I was getting into at that time was philosophize, philosophy this first take brilliant idiots <laughs> right and uh the first take really got my attention a lot so that was the classic first take in his heyday with skip and Stephen a and um and i was like man this would be so fun to do a podcast like to just talk about topics that i'm interested in um and then i got my first take moment so essentially i was on facebook one day 
and um, I think I made a post about I don't know if I made a post or Philip made a post. I think I made a post about some type of racism and 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 folks were trying to compare racist acts with like other types of discrimination. And I was just pointing out like this this type of discrimination and this type of violence. Um, there's only one other group that can really compare the atrocities and try to speak with a parallel um, narrative. And that would be Native Americans. Uh, I believe I believe that's what I said. I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was back when Facebook was popping there. And this is like Facebook before your mom and auntie and grandparents was on Facebook. This is just like you know, uh, still high school, college and, and, you know, early thirties, mostly folks was on, was on Facebook. Right. And so, um, and that's when like threads on Facebook arguments on Facebook were, were as if not as, not as if they don't happen today, but you know, it was popping back then. So, um, and Instagram wasn't popping. I don't even think it really had text like that at, at the time. And so, uh, yeah, so it was a big Facebook argument. Um, but I was like the dude that, that I was going back and forth with, with a, was Philip McNasser. And he's the one that I did my first episode with, or first interview episode, um, dialogue episode with basically episode two coffee shop talk. And so essentially the conversation that Philip and I had was about, it was about race and religion, uh, but it was mostly, it was mostly about religion. So maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't about native American struggle. Maybe it was like, maybe I was talking about white Christians or, Christianity or something and racism or something like maybe that was that's what the post was but long story less long I was like man Phil Philip I know you bro I know we haven't seen each other since middle school but let's just meet up and actually talk about this because us going back and forth on Facebook like this is corny and I really respect Philip and he respected me um so we met up and so we met up at coffee time down on 21st a coffee shop that I still go to frequently I love that place and that was back when coffee time used to be open until like midnight or maybe maybe like one two in the morning or maybe it was 24 coffee coffee time used to be open late uh now it closes at eight o'clock but coffee time was like that spot you can go to at any time of the day um and so we went there and we probably talked for like man a good at least three hours maybe up to five hours we was there for a long time going back and forth talking about religion and it just felt like the religious version of first take and i was like oh this is what I want to do. I want to create the religious version of first take. I want to create a platform where people could talk about their worldviews and ideology um, and just really put it up against other people's ideologies and then let let the people decide what they want to believe. Let's not have a, a one sided argument, one sided conversation, an echo chamber conversation. Let's have a low key debate dialogue, but like respectfully. Right. And so that was the birth of socks and sandals was um, from that coffee shop conversation. And then I was like, nah, I'm going I'm going to make a show. And so at that time I was working at uh, National General and uh, me and my guy Mondo, who you've heard on the show, you know, dozens of times. Um, my, my right hand, man, like my man, Mondo, I appreciate you so much, bro. Like you've been solid throughout the whole show. Um yeah, and I'll, I'll get more to that a little bit later on. But yeah, so me and Mondo were always talking about like creating some type of show and doing something. I was like, bro, I'm about to do it. He's like, for real, if you if you're gonna do it, I'm I'm with you. And so he was always supportive, and uh, 
And we talked about it for like a good year, year and a half. And then eventually in 2017 and 2016, I started planning and making plans and writing down formats and writing down a potential list of people that I wanted to talk to. Um, And then March 7th, 2017 started that thing. You know what I mean? Um, And it was so dope because in the beginning, when I started it, uh, when I was really ready and like officially going to start it, uh, and I had come up with the name, the first person I called was my guy, Jesse Brown, man. Shout out to Jesse, Jesse. I don't, I don't think you know this, bro, but you have been my avatar for the show. I don't know if I told you that or not, but you've been my avatar for the show the whole time. Like every time I'm thinking of a topic, I'm like, yo, would would Jesse want to hear about this? Like, would would Jesse be interested in this? And I was like, literally crafting episodes and conversations, so that I'm like, if Jesse digs this, this, like he's the type of person, and there's many folks like him out there. And so, but I'm like, that's the person I can talk to. That's that's my guy. You know what I mean? And so, um, so I literally like had you in mind all the time pause you know what i mean when i'm when i'm making these episodes because i knew that if jesse rock with it it was going to be a dope show and it was and it was going in the direction that i wanted it to have and it had the type of integrity that i wanted it to have so shout out to you jesse so jesse was the first person i remember i was like in the parking lot when my son was going to catlin gable i called him i shared the news with him and he was super excited i had i had a feeling that he would like it um and be excited about it but when i told him uh, the format and just the inspiration he was with it and then you know he is the one that created the logo he is the the mastermind the artist that created the logo and and developed it to the masterpiece that it is now uh, the iconic universal man that that he created man so shout out to jesse brown shout out to you bro so now let's get into the episodes all right so i will say the first 16 17 episodes man it was a hell of a journey um but shout out to my collaborators man once again valerie uh of course philip already mentioned philip he was in episode two coffee shop talk um the black feminism conversation oh my god that's so cringy it was so bad we should have had more than one uh woman present it was me mondo and valerie and uh i'll go ahead and say it me and mondo was super immature in our approach to the conversation um and it was it was just cringy but that's that's just that's that's what happens like when you record yourself you record your thoughts and record your actions like you look back and like oh that was terrible but it is, it is what it is so episodes three and four of black feminism um and talking about the slut walk you know is uh it is what it is man um and then uh there was <laughs> one of the many of the funniest episodes was me and mondo because mondo brings uh a comedic factor that just is, is kind of hard to replace and hard to duplicate. So shout out to you, Mondo. You always your your comedic time. I don't think you really lean into it or know how funny you are, bro. But you you're a funny dude, bro. So um episode 
we did two episodes in one night and the unapologetically black names episode 5.1 is freaking hilarious man um and then shout out to shingy shingy uh we did an african spirituality episode we did part one and two of that and so and it was dope because you know he was hearing me in the first episode talking about you know christianity and he really brought up african spirituality and more comedic spirituality and everything that he said to me in that episode i had not heard before whatsoever it was totally brand new information um and this is the transformative nature of the pod and when i allowed myself to uh i allowed myself to take in new information and have conversations with people that i otherwise wouldn't have conversations with especially when it comes to uh, religious and spiritual matters because typically I, I just stayed within my own circle in my own echo chamber and believed what I believed and practiced a lot of confirmation bias and was not open to other people's point of view because I thought I had the truth and even at this time I still thought I had the truth the whole truth the absolute truth nothing but the truth so help me God all that good stuff but um, it was really cool to have that conversation with Shingy and he was very respectful uh, and very patient and whatnot. Uh, it just it was just a dope conversation. So that was episodes what six and seven, the African spirituality. And then after that, I got into you know one of the premises that I wanted the topic to to tackle. Um, of course, one of them was the intersection between race and religion, but also the main topic that I wanted to tackle was the deconstruction of race as a social construct because I felt like if we could at the time. Um, I felt like if we could deconstruct the social construct of race, then racism could end. Right. And that's when I didn't really know. About, I was just real surface level with it in my knowledge. Um, and it's just it, it is what it is. Like I was uh, that's all I knew at the time. So with the knowledge that I had, I felt like that was the best way to attack it. And so um, I came at it with full force and I did a couple episodes on that. Um and then probably still one of the, if not the funniest, it's definitely a top three episode as far as enjoyment. Um, but the funniest episode, like I had never laughed and been so weak during the episode was episode 10, the wokeness of Kendrick Lamar or lack thereof. And it was, <laughs> it was just like this super woke think piece that we read and, uh, you know, we we just me and me and Mondo did not agree with what the dude was saying, and it sounded so ridiculous at the time. I think now it actually sounds uh, that the article uh, aged a lot better than what we thought it it was given. You know, back then, but um, back in 2017, our rhetoric it just sounded crazy, and just the way that he was comparing things, it was it was crazy. But it was a very funny episode, and so so that was first ten episodes, and then after that. I really started this is at a time where I was content to break away from the church. And even before I start, like right before I started the podcast, I knew that like what I was saying and the questions that I was the way I was questioning the faith. Um, I knew that the church would see it as kind of divisive, even even questioning Christianity or even having open dialogues with other religions 
people of other religions and other backgrounds like that's kind of a dangerous thing you're not supposed to do that and at the time i seen that as kind of honestly like coward cowardly and intellectually dishonest like how can we say that we have the truth and we know the truth if we're not willing to be open to hear other people out because i realized like that i couldn't say that i like my truth is the truth if i wasn't willing to hear other people out and hear them express their point of view um but that was kind of problematic in the church um not that anybody directly told me that but it's like implicitly you kind of get that messaging and so um i decided to distance myself from the church and um even my you know life group that i was attending because i was bringing up stuff and people was like kind of getting annoyed with me bringing up stuff and they just kind of wanted to go with the same status quo conversations and narratives and i'm challenging things they're like come on man <laughs> you know and so that's when i did my unchurchable series and just kind of announced my feelings and views about um being in the church not to say that i wasn't a christian no more but just i didn't like uh the kind of the, the fear-based narrative and approach that um i was dealing with in christianity at the time so i had to break away from that um but then, you know, at that point, I just, I wasn't, so at that point, that was like episodes 13, 12, 13, and 14. And it was at this point where I was out of gas. And I think every podcaster hits this wall um, and I almost quit after episode 15, I almost quit. I was out of ideas. And I and I realized very soon, very early in, in my journey that I didn't want to go back and forth about religion all the time because it was very emotional and it was tiring. Um, And it just got old really quickly. Like, man, I, I can't talk about this every week. And I was when I started the podcast, I told myself that I was going to create I was going to put out an episode every week for a whole year. And I wasn't going to quit until after the first year. And I wanted to prove to myself that I could do this. But as and as you guys have seen over the years, there's a lot of people that have started podcasts, but they tend to not go that far. And I would say what the average podcast ends after about seven or eight episodes. And I know how that feels. I was at episode 15. Getting 20, 30, you know, 40 on a on a good episode listens per episode like nobody i feel like nobody and essentially barely anyone was listening to the podcast but i was only on soundcloud but still i wasn't getting enough plays getting enough you know what i mean and yeah, at least to my liking um and i was running out of ideas and so i remember it was at this point where after episode 15 i went to to philip uh philip nasser once again i was like hey bro we should we should talk about something else man i love our conversations uh, even though I was tired of talking about religion, I was like, man, he was kind of like the, the the jump off point for me doing this. And I was like picking his brains like, man, what do you what do you think we could talk about? And I'm over here talking to him like it's his show, <laughs> but it's my show. But I'm like, I'm looking to him for inspiration because I just I was out of ideas. And I didn't know where to go with it. And then we did a series called uh, Mark and Priority. And so Mark and Priority is basically it was a, a, a narrative that the gospels all four gospels are basically derivatives of one work 
one document. And so it's like there's this so-called Q document that is like the foundational document of the Gospels. And then Mark was the first gospel that was written and all the other Gospels are just building off of Mark's interpolation. Is that I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, off of Mark's version and they're just spinning their own version. But it's all based off of Mark, not necessarily from their actual um their actual witness like so they so he's saying the people that wrote matthew luke and john were not actual were not the actual disciples he that's what he's saying and he is saying all they did was take mark's book and then put somebody else's name on it and just added some stuff to it um and so that's why and i think that the the order was like mark and then matthew and then luke and then john and that's why john has like more dogmatic statements and grandiose statements because it's just like it's building upon the legend and narrative of jesus um and so that's what that series was and if you notice if you go all the way back in the archives you don't see episode 17 because i think i was this is when i first started to go live on facebook and so i went live on facebook but i forgot to hit record on my laptop <laughs> so the episode lives somewhere. Episode 17 lives somewhere on Facebook, but it's not on my laptop. So, um, so let me, but let me fast forward. So basically the first 19 episodes, I got no traction, but I started going live on Facebook because it was at this time. And one of the, one of the biggest inspirations for me podcasting, um, was Gary Vaynerchuk. That's one podcast that I forgot to leave out when I was naming the podcast that inspired me. I would listen to Gary Vaynerchuk almost every day. And anybody that listens to Gary V knows that he will coach you and challenge you um, every time he speaks. And he, of course, he don't know you. He's just talking. But like he's that type of motivational speaker. And it's hard not to take action when if you listen to him consistently. And so I was listening to him damn near like religiously. Like I, I needed that Gary V. I had to inject it into my veins to get me going. Right. And Gary V challenged me. Um and Gary V, he would say, like, go to where the attention is. Where's the attention? Don't get in love with um, the the mode of, of whatever you're doing. What you need is attention. If you want to build your podcast, you want to build your, your business, you need to go where the attention is. And so at that time, in 2017, Facebook Live was fairly new. And it was popping. So I was like, oh, man, like everybody's on Facebook live. Everybody's on Facebook. So why don't I go live? And so it was episode 17. was when I started to go live. So I went live with, with Philip and it was a somewhat success. But I will say. That. The jump off point for this podcast and is when it really took off was episodes 19 and 20. And it was when I had my brother, Paul Henry Grice III, on the show, came to the house, and we went live on Facebook. And so a little backstory on this, because this is it. Like, this is the this is the real beginning of Socks and Sandals. This is when it took off, when people really knew what was going on, and when they visually seen the conversation and engaged, and, it, like, that's that took it to a whole nother level. And so... So the episode, uh, I think it was episode 20, exactly the one that we went live on with Paul. 
um, or I broke it up into two episodes, but it was a long conversation. But when I went live with Paul, that took it to another level. And so essentially, Paul, um, he had just gotten out of jail. He had been in, in jail for a few years and I didn't even know he was locked up. And when he got out, um, like a few days after he got out, he he instant messaged me. And once again, I'm telling you all, like I was ready to quit. I'm, I legit was ready to quit, even though I told myself, yo, 52 episodes, you know, whatever. And before I was literally ready to quit and I prayed to God. I was like, God, you got to give me a sign of in a week, a week before he hit me. I prayed to God, I said, God, you got to give me a sign of like why I need to do this because I'm I'm running out of gas. I'm frustrated and um, I'm I'm honestly ready to throw in a towel. So I literally prayed to God and asked for him to give me a sign and give me a reason to keep keep potting. A week later, Paul DMs me on Facebook, Facebook Messenger. It's like, hey, bro, I know you a solid brother. I know we didn't necessarily have no relationship um, before now, but I just got out of jail and I want to connect with you. Um, and I just I just need somebody to, uh, you know, to to hold me accountable and, and help me out. I, I know you're a man of God and I just want to connect with you. And I was like, dang, what? And so I wasn't thinking about the pod at this time, but I was like, wow, I was just humbled that he reached out to me because I, I knew of Paul. We played in football together, but he was like two years younger. So we didn't really necessarily kick it like that. Um, but he was always, always a cool dude, like great spirit, always smiling, laughing. And so I was blown away that he had even went to jail. Cause I'm like, man, Paul for real, like you, but once again, things change after high school. You don't know what happens, you know, whatever. So essentially he DM me, we met up, uh, went to breakfast a couple days later. He told me his story. And I was like, bro, this is the most amazing story. Like to hear you tell me this, but like you, you're just, you're describing what happened to you and, and you know, with, with, with the drug issues and whatnot, but like what you're doing right now, like, bro, you got to share this. Like you got to share your testimony with everybody. I said, bro, would you be willing to come on the pod and go live? He's like, yeah, for sure. So a couple of days later, he came to the house. One of them Tuesday nights, I think it was Tuesday nights when I was recording, right? Tuesday, Wednesday night, something like that. So he came through, we went live and that live was popping. Like I had never, obviously I hadn't, I only went live a few times before that, but I mean, that night we easily had like a thousand views and it was so many homies that was on live and people was, was sharing it because nobody knew that Paul was out and people hadn't seen Paul in years. And Paul is just one of them dudes, like super entertaining, high energy. Um, he can, it don't matter what you're going through. Like if you around Paul, you're going to smile, you're going to laugh, whatever. And so Paul was on there, man, we was talking, we was going back and forth and it was just a really dope conversation. And, um, that gave like, just mass awareness to what I was doing with the podcast. It's like, oh man, you do this every week? Like, oh bro, we're gonna tap in. And so shout out to you, Paul Henry Grice III. I know you to I've told you this many a times, but I gotta say it officially for the record. Your episode is what blew up the podcast to what it was and, and to what it is. And it really set it on a different um trajectory. Right. And so from then on, I was going live like consistently. Right. And so um, I did a few more episodes with Paul. Uh, rest in peace to my to my little bro, Kendall Staples, man, I had Kendall on the show um, a 
couple times, man, and we just chopped it up, went live, and it was just a beautiful thing, just going live every week, every week on Facebook, and um, things were growing. Uh, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. And then the next biggest episode was episode twenty seven. Um, shout out to Ashley Moore. I know you married now, so your name ain't Ashley Moore anymore. I, I, I forgot what your new last name is, but you vegan Bay. Shout out to Ashley, man. Episode 27. Um, she talked about, you know, her vegan lifestyle, her, her lifestyle change. And, um, she just one of the people that had really good energy and she had a, she had a great story because, uh, you know, she went vegan and she just totally changed her, her body composition, um, her, her energy changed. Like it's, she just became a new person and everybody could see it, you know, see her transformation go on, um, just via social media. And everybody had questions like, yo, how did you do that? And, and vegan, like going vegan now is kind of a normal thing, but back in 2017, like being vegan, wasn't a normal thing. It was like this new, like, Whoa, what? Like, for real, like this is possible. Like you don't eat meat. Like that's weird. Like how do you do that? You know. So, so she came on and uh, she had her own following um, that she brought just organically, and um, that episode went crazy. That episode went crazy on live on Facebook, and so and she also like was promoting it on her Instagram and all that. So episode the episodes with Paul and Ashley. It just took the pod to a whole new level. And then I started, then I launched, um, uh, on, on other platforms. So then I was able to get on Apple and you got to understand, like back in the day, it wasn't just all these podcast hosting things where you could just set it and forget it. Like you sign up with one service and you get on all the platforms. Like you had to learn all the codes and all the tips and tricks and get your RSS code and then go apply for all these other things so you had to apply for stitcher apply for google apply for apple like it was crazy so when i got on apple podcast that obviously took it to another level but the lives really spread the awareness locally and the show started to take off and this is the point where people started to reach out and request to come on to the show and so now i gotta talk about the networking and relationship building of podcasting that just absolutely transformed my life all right. And so um, there's certain trees of of guests and there's certain people that started a tree and a chain reaction of guests. Right. And so there is a direct connection between Paul Henry Grice, the third and Jane Elliott. And Paul, you don't you don't know this. I never told you this, but it's. Cause it's deep, but there's a direct connection. I don't talk to Jane Elliott without Paul Henry Grice, the third. And that is a fact. So episode 20 set me up for episode 150. All right. So I say that because Paul introduced me or connected me with Linda green. And I even know Linda went, went to my church and I, you know, mentored her, her sons when I was doing youth ministry. Um, but I talked to Linda green episode 33 and we talked about uh domestic violence and she taught me about domestic violence and um how it was more economic than physical and and just all the ins and outs and details that i had no idea 
uh, had never heard about domestic violence. It was a very fruitful conversation. And we also came back and did an episode just about healthy relationships, right? Not only talk about the problem, but also talk about solutions. So I was episodes 33 and 39. And so let me talk about, but let me talk about this Paul Henry Grice tree that led me to Jane Elliott. So he introduced me to Linda. Linda introduced me to William Johnson, right? And so William Johnson, he, um, he, he did classes against for domestic violence, domestic violent offenders that were men. So men that were fresh out of prison and they had to take domestic violence um, a domestic violence course like every week or every other week. Right. And so we did a three part series entitled toxic Ma masculinity, talking about his domestic violence course that he did for men that were fresh out of prison that were domestic violence offenders. Right. So it was Paul and then Linda and then William Johnson. And so that was episodes like 53 or 52, 53, and 58, right? And then William Johnson was rocking with me, tough, and, and he later introduced me to Jane Elliott. He hit me one day, it was like Father's Day in 2020, <laughs> right? And uh, I'll never forget it, because he kept blowing up my phone. I was like, Man, why is he hit me so much on Father's Day, bro? Like, what is happening? So he hit me up. He's like, hey, man, I got this opportunity for you. You heard of Jane Elliott? I was like, I don't think so. He's like, you know, she did the brown eye, blue eye scream experiment. Old white lady. He's like, oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. He's like, yeah, man. So with my organization, we're doing an event with her pretty soon. But, you know, I have her contact information. Uh, I've been on a few meetings with her and she let us know that she's actually opening up her calendar for interviews. So here's her email. I want you to email her. I really think that the way that you interview would be amazing and you should interview her. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so uh, and so I, I did what he said. I emailed her and he also told me, like, mention my name, tell her that Maverick, you know, gave you the email and blah, blah. And she she emailed me back. She said, hey, you realize if I come on your show, it's going to be a lot of people that might hate you for it. I'm going to speak some unapologetic truth and so on and so forth. And she was telling me how hard she was going to go. I'm like, hey, I'm with it, you know. And so once again, from Paul to Linda, Linda to William, William turned into Jane Elliott. So shout out to you, Paul. Shout out to you, Linda. Shout out to you, William, because you all that that tree. That's a direct link to that guest. Um, and it's like once again, episode 20 is when the show started to take a life of its own and people start referring people and you just never know what happens. And networking literally is like that, you know. And so um, but let me let me go back. So there's a there's another dope networking tree that happened um but also yeah yeah because i because i could I, I got too many episodes to to recap so let me just go over to I'll, I'll be here all day so another networking tree starts with my brother tevin tavares man tevin shout out to you bro shout out to you tev so i i met tev literally like right after the time I quit my job. So I quit my job May the 1st, 2018. I left insurance, walked away. I was fed up with it. Um I I hated I literally hated going there. They were making so many changes to the conversation even though I made more money every every year. It was like it was harder and harder to make money, but I just didn't enjoy what I what I was doing. 
I thoroughly enjoyed having conversations and I thoroughly enjoyed podcasting after episode 20. Like it was starting to get good and I got really comfortable around episode 40. I got really comfortable doing interviews and podcasting. I was still a nervous wreck all the way up until about 40 episodes in. But once I got into my groove, I was like, man, this is cool. And so, um, yeah, I quit my job May 1st, 2018. Um, and I had no plan other than, well, I just, I'm going to sign up for Uber and Lyft. I actually only signed up for Lyft at that time. I was just exclusively through Lyft and it was, it was like early Lyft days. And so they was paying out crazy. Like you didn't need two services. Like they were, the bonuses they was giving out, like it was it was great, very easy to make, you know, a thousand dollars, really twelve hundred dollars a week, you know, when I first started. But anyway, um, and not even you know, I drive 40 hours is like 25, 30, 35 if you really want to push it. But they was they was paying. It was crazy. But um, but yeah, so it was around that time when when I quit my job and that's when the pot really started to take off. And I had time to meet up with entrepreneurs, like people that just didn't have day jobs, you know, and I just had more time to meet and network and connect and just make connections with people that I otherwise wouldn't be able to make because I was always working. Um, and I was busy from six in the morning to six thirty at night, you know, taking kids to school, commuting to work, getting back home, picking kids up, all that type of stuff. And so um, I could just basically work around my podcasting and my networking. I could just drive at night or drive or drive in the morning, have the middle of the day, do whatever I wanted to do because with nobody really moving around like that and then drive in the evening, but really do most of my driving, most of my work on the weekends because that's when you can make most of your money. But anyway, so I met Tevin around that time. It was the summer late spring early summer of 2018 but shout out to the plug though so at that time i was helping out uh i was on the board of camp elso shout out to sprinta and um i was helping out a lot i had i had a lot of free time so there was things that were that were needed to be done and i would be able to sit in on certain meetings and just really give a lot of time to volunteer and help out with with Sprint and Camp Elso. So at that time, Ben Katoko, shout out to you, Ben. Ben was uh he was I think he was an intern or he was just teaching for the summer um with Elso. And I was telling him about the podcast and what I was talking about. Um and he was like, Oh man, you should meet my my buddy Tevin. He's like, Yeah, he goes to U of O, he's a film director, he's doing a lot of cool things. I'm like, all right, cool. So he he connected me with Tev. And me and Tev met that summer. We met at we met at Starbucks on 23rd, the one on like 23rd and like Johnson, the one I used to go to all the time. I used to love that that location, but it, it switched it up now. But um, but we met over there and we had a dope conversation. And I thought it was gonna be like a meeting, and then we eventually connect and do an episode soon thereafter. But we actually didn't do an episode, but what he did was he put me, he turned me on to Oba and y'all that have been rocking with the pod. Y'all know that me and Oba done put in some work. You know what I mean? We got some legendary, legendary episodes, man, me and Oba. And so, um, but Tevin was, I was telling Tevin, you know, my story and what I was doing and all that type of stuff. Um, and he told me his story, which was just amazing and, and inspiring. And so, um, but he put me on to Oba. 
And so he's like, oh, man, you should you should connect with my with my guy Oba because y'all basically the same person. Y'all just doing things just a little bit different. He was like he um, he's in radio, but he wants to get into podcasting. He does. He has a radio show on K-Boo. But he wants to get into podcasting and he's driving for Lyft too. I was like, oh, that's crazy. He's like, you doing podcasting. And I was telling him, like, I always wanted to do radio. He's like, man, he's already doing radio. So y'all got a, a easy connection. I was like, oh, for sure. And so um, instead of me immediately like interviewing Tev, I connect with Oba and it's just like an instant, like instant connection. Like we meet up at the station and it was like we knew each other for 10 years already, man. And uh, it was just kindred spirits man for real uh even though we bumped heads a lot over the over the course of the pod man but still we, we bump heads because we're very similar um and there's just a, a high level of respect but a high level of uh firmness in our point of view um to the point of stubbornness but i i digress but um but yeah so we connected instantly man and that was just that connection right there i'm eternally grateful to tevin for that um and Oba was just one of them dudes, man, like he can he can hold a conversation. He can take a conversation in so many different directions. He, he's very unorthodox, um, which makes for great conversations, makes for great radio and makes for great podcasting. So uh, I was super excited to be connected with him. And, um, and he showed me love, man. He, he let me sit in on his radio show. Um, and we would just be live on air, just having some dope conversations. I would go live on Facebook when I was at the station and those, those, those lives went off. You know what I mean? It was, it was some stuff being talked about and it was dope. Um, but yeah, man, that was love. And so, so Tevin connected me to Oba and then Tevin also connected me to Rasheen when I was doing my, uh, my young black entrepreneur series. Um, so Tev kept me connected me to Ra and that was dope. And Tev, your man, Tev's tree is crazy. Let me let me see if I can find everybody. So it was Oba, it was Ra. Who else did Tevin connect me with, man? I'm I'm blanking right now, bro, but I'm a I'ma remember as I as I continue to go. But um Tev made mad connection. Then me and Tev finally did some some episodes and um them joints went off. And, you know, at this point, the convert, the, the podcast took a life of its own and the networking was crazy, man. I, I had a episode with Joanne Hardesty. That was a huge episode. And that was around a time that was like episode 57 or 58 or maybe 59. And that was around a time when she was running for city council. So that was just historic, you know, um, that, sh- that I was able to go to her home right and, ep- and and interview her in in her home um record that you know it's still on youtube just recorded it on my phone uh the video and that was that was beautiful and it was amazing and so over the course of this pod i've been able to connect with so many amazing people there's and so here's a here's a few other things so some of y'all remember my religion and worldview series um, shout out to Hanif, man. I'm so glad that Hanif came on the show and showed love, man. Um, he was a part of that in the episodes in the seventies. And also, uh, my brother Orlando Williams came on episode 75, uh, did the Hebrew Israelite episode. That was fire. That was fire, man. And, um, but here's a really dope story. So 
when I was doing the Religion and Worldview series, I, I eventually did a, uh, an interview with an Egyptologist by the name of Kara Cooney. And it was just the weirdest way that we met. Essentially, I was doing Lyft or Uber. I don't know which one I was doing. Um, I think it might have been Uber. But so I, I picked her up at a, at a little hotel in Northwest Portland. Um, and it was just like she was very friendly and her voice was just very distinct and and confident. I was like, man, she, you know, she just had a really good vibe about her. And so I was asking her, you know, just striking up a conversation as I always do when I was doing ride share and uh, asked her what she was in town for. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing an exhibit. I'm leading an exhibit at OMSI. Have you heard of OMSI? I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. She's like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, the King Tut exhibit. You should go. I was like, oh yeah, I've heard about that. And so she was telling me all about it. And then I told her about, um, my podcast and, you know, what I talk about, the type of topics and, uh, talking about, you know, religion and worldview and just race and, and, and all the things. She's like, oh, that's really interesting. I was like, would you be interested in coming on the show? She was like, yeah, for sure. I, I would love that. It sounds like you, you have some really good conversations. I was like, yeah. And so, uh, she's like, yeah, and and my my uh, my fans, they would really love it. I have a lot of people that follow me, and I thought she was kind of capping. I thought she was just like, you know, whatever. But she was like, you know, no, I'm a I'm a professor at UCLA, and uh, I have a lot of followers. Let me show you. And she pulled out her phone and showed me her Facebook, and she went online. She had like a hundred and something thousand followers. And I was like, dang, like this is going this is going to blow it up. But essentially, um, followed her on Facebook. She gave me her email, and I followed up with her followed up with her and Kara, she, she, she responded and she made time. She gave, you know, gave me her, her regular phone number, email, like everything. So, um, so that was dope. Shout out to Kara Cooney for that. And that was episode one Oh three on Egyptology. Um, and that, that episode one Oh three, that was at a time when, um, that was around the time that, Kindle staples that I mentioned earlier that I alluded to earlier. That was a, that was a time when he passed. And so that was a, a very tumultuous time of my life because to watch Kendall go through what he went through, um, his health complications, um, you know, I had him, I, he, he stayed at my house for a minute. I mean, he was in and out of homelessness, in and out of shelters. Um, it was hard for him to keep a job because he was typically in and out the hospital like every other month and he couldn't like work for at least 90 days to, you know, pass that probation period to keep a job. Um, but unfortunately, you know, he passed, he passed, um, and I think, I think that was like, you know, 2019. And so the Egyptology episode came out and I had already had a religion and worldview series and the episodes, like, I want to say 87, 88, 89 with Haru Kanu. Um, and that was, man, somebody introduced me to him and we had. A hell of a discussion, <laughs> to say the least, man. That's the only dude I wanted to punch in the face while I was interviewing, but I was in his office, so I had to be respectful. Um, and I still respect him and love him for the interview that he had because he introduced me to a lot of knowledge. But um, he was giving it to he was giving the knowledge to me in such a way that was like, 
damn, bro, like, relax. Like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And you really arguing me down and you kind of being disrespectful. But um, I was down to have the dialogue and down to learn. So I, I kept my calm, kept my cool and, and powered through three and a half hours of uh, being educated, but like a kind of a tongue lashing at the same time. But anyway, I had that conversation with him. Um, and it was hard to hear because once again, it was a lot of truth, but it was just delivered, you know, in a Kevin Samuels type of way. And I wasn't ready for that Kevin Samuels style. This is pre Kevin Samuels. But I wasn't ready for that hardcore, just like truth, unapologetic, like real unapologetic, like kind of disrespectful truth um, with no regard for, <laughs> you know, anything. So anyway, I say all that to say, you know, he gave me that message about, you know, the the really egyptian comedic i should say comedic origins of monotheism and and modern day christianity um and the the concepts came from kemet and had been transliterated and kind of warped into what what modern day christianity is excuse me and then i talked to kara and she gave the same a very similar message but it wasn't like she wasn't trying to beat me down with the information. She was just like giving me the information. Right. And it was just so matter of fact. And, you know, especially talking about the virgin birth and, and Mary and and, you know, where it's like the Isis and, and Horus story um, or, or Haru. And it's just like and and I was and at that time I had actually kind of converted from Christianity to Hebrew Israelite um, and I was taking on that ideology and um but then it just kind of like when when kendall passed I, I had a reckoning of all the things that i was just all the ideas and beliefs that i was taking on um so he passed and then i had a conversation with kara and at the end of that conversation i really had to come to grips with my with my belief in once again in, in the dogma and the ideology of christianity and and being a hebrew israelite and not to say that they're wrong or they're bad or anything but i was like man i really don't believe this like i i don't have i've never had enough information and now i'm given a good amount of information to know that there's a lot more to the story about god and for me to take a dogmatic stance and believe that i have to adhere to one book and somebody else's kind of bastardized translation of all these stories that took place a couple thousand years ago and if i can only receive salvation and my ancestors and my little bro kendall can only go to heaven if he believes and 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 follows certain laws statutes and commandments um and believe in stories that you know brother heruka knew uh shingy and now um uh, miss Cooney, like they all they're all saying very similar things um two of them not trying to convert me or trying to shame me for believing what i believe because that's just how i was how i was raised and how a lot of us are raised but it's like man i don't i don't i don't believe this i truly don't believe this stuff no more um and there's enough knowledge and enough evidence out there to know that the Bible and everything that I've been taught, not even necessarily the Bible, but the the dogma, the narrative, 
that I've been taught and that I feel like I've been believing on my own. It's just like I've just been <clears throat> accepting what's been force fed to me. Um, but I really don't believe it. And I've been wrestling with it for quite some time. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done wrestling. Um, Cause if I believe everything that I've been taught, then that means that my grandparents aren't in heaven. That means that Kendall is not in heaven. And if there is a heaven, do I believe that Kendall is not there? Hell no. Hell to the mother effing no. I do not believe that. And so it was at that time after episode 103 that I stopped wrestling and I just gave in to my authentic feelings of I just want to be a student. I want to learn and I don't want my authenticity to be clouded with internalizing dogma and ideology that I didn't create and that don't necessarily serve me and don't serve my people as far as I could see. And so for lack of a better term, this podcast changed my life. It saved my life. It helped me walk in authenticity. Even though I was already going down that path, it just helped open me up in, in such a, a different way that I wouldn't have otherwise done if I didn't do this podcast. Um, and it, I was I was operating in freedom, but then it created a freedom of mind, body, and spirit that I otherwise would not have. I would not have it. Like I, I, I could not do the things that I'm doing now if I did not have this podcast, if I didn't start this and continue with it. Um, so shout out to all those folks. Shout out to Karen. Karen introduced me to Rebecca Peabody. She's a, um, professor at USC. She was the, like the director of the was it the Met, not the Met Gallery? Um, I forgot. She's director of of some gallery. I can't I can't remember right now. My brain is crazy right now. But she was director of, of a gallery, art gallery in, in L.A. The Getty, the Getty Institute or gallery or something like that. So um, yeah, and we and um, Kara introduced me to her, and that was that was a dope connection, man. So shout out to Kara for making that connection with with Rebecca. Um, and the show took a life of his own, man. So also shout out to Devon Horace, man. He, I think he, he's seen Ashley's interview on Facebook and, uh, he reached out, he reached out to come on the show and I was doing my African-American excellence, um, um, series, right? So that was a very dope series. And I think he was the first one on it. So shout out to Devon Horace, man. He he had came here. He hadn't been in Portland too long, but he shared his story about paying off roughly about forty eight thousand dollars of debt in debt, you know, in less than a year, or maybe just over a year. And um, you know, his his story was dope, and he introduced me to Precious Hannah. Shout out to Precious, and um, and Devon is my brother, man. Our our relationship, our working relationship, the way that he's been so genuine in community support. Um, and just a man of his word and all the things that he's done and, and helping me out as I started with the black United fund back in 2019 or 2021. And, um, he's been so supportive and has gone above and beyond. Um, and I'm not going to get into everything that he's done, but 
Dev, you know what it is, man. You, you've done it all. But the podcast helped us build that relationship and um, the networking and, and just the things that have happened are just, I'm eternally grateful, bro. So I appreciate you, man. I love you. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> man, I'm getting emotional, bro. Like, it's, but, it, but this is... This podcast is more, it's more than just a show. It's more than just covering topics. It's more than entertainment. This was literally a personal journey, uh, a means of evolution for me. And so I could continue to go on and and go on with these episodes and recap. Um, I will say this. If y'all haven't listened to the Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin conversations between me and Oba, you gotta you gotta listen to that. If you don't listen to nothing on socks and sandals, listen to those episodes. That was uh oh that's hold on I'm, I'm, my mind is jumping. That was episodes 104, 105, and 108. Y'all gotta listen to that. Also, going back to Tevin. Tevin also introduced me to 8 bit J. Shout out to Jesse. He introduced me to 8 bit J. Um, and we, I covered two of his albums. We had some amazing conversations. Uh, me and Jay are connected for life, man. It's like, it's kindred spirits, man. He has a great taste in music. Um, very unique style of rapper, man. And just art. He's an artist and I love what he does. Um, and so, but shout out to Tevin for making that connection. He had Ra, he had, uh, Jay, and I'm sure there's somebody else that I'm, <laughs> that I'm forgetting, but, um, that just popped up in, in my brain. Um, but as I, uh, as I close out this, this episode, man, the podcast has, the podcast took a life of its own. And then I began to monetize in 2019. Um, shout out to Perry, Perry Gardner. He put me on with the uh, when he was working at the Central Library downtown, and we did an event, did a live show. Shout out to Tyler Monk, Eric Knox. We did a live show at the uh, at the at the library, um, and that was my first paid gig. Uh, and then shout out to Tim Greenwich, man, my boy Tim. He was working with me at at Nat Gen um, National General Insurance, and then when he left the SEI, he was running the after school program. Uh, and he was like, yo, man, would you want to do a, a podcast class for high schoolers? And I'm like, ah, I guess, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, and so we did that. And so I was able, that's when I started my LLC and I was teaching the podcast class. And then, um, that was another way of me monetizing. And people just started asking me to speak and, and host events. And I hosted an event for Elso, a front, a fundraiser, um, I was so happy to be able to get paid to do what I love. You know what I mean? And and uh, shout out to Sprinter for putting that together. Did a episode, did a, a live interview of Amir Streeter and Eddie Hill. Shout out to y'all. Uh, that was a really dope event. Our first time meeting, and, and me and Eddie still um, still connected for sure. And it's always always good to see him out out and about in public. But um, you know, did that gig, and then um, I would say, and then 2020 happened, right? And so. A lot of you may know me for the Jane Elliott uh, interview and and clips and episode. And, you know, to say something went viral, I don't know if I can say it went viral, but 
I know that it was multiple people, uh, like seven, eight, maybe 10, maybe up to 10. Cause it's kind of hard to find everything, but, um, people that recovered it or showed it, you know, showed the clips on YouTube to their audience. And it just, that, that spread, um, the fame of the podcast for lack of a better term, uh, quite a bit. Um, folks like Vicki Dillard, uh, political matrix info, man, uh, Tariq Nasheed, uh, Dr. Shauna ETN, uh, among others, you know, they, they covered it on their shows, on their YouTube shows. Um, and it went crazy It went crazy. And so, so the Jane Elliott, you know, on the heels of that, that was when I was transitioning and, you know, I, I couldn't do the, the live podcast class. I was like, man, I got to monetize. And so it was at that time that me and my guy, Emmanuel Solomon, uh, we were meeting up with Nisa Bomahin. Shout out to Nee, eternally grateful for you and what you did. You already know we've already had that conversation. But Nee was helping us create our philosophy and create like online courses because he had been coaching and, and doing courses for years already. Um, and Nee is one of the people that was doing it. He was doing his podcast. Like I was listening to his podcast while I was preparing for mine. Like he was podcasting back in, I want to say, 2015, 2016 and, and killing it. Sports Motivation Podcast get your mind right podcast i gotta tap in um so uh we were we were meeting up every sunday and we were creating our philosophy and he was just kind of helping us you know create our our coaching and our and our courses and so i had already been working on the course since 2019 um wasn't sure when i was going to put it out but i had a whole bunch of research a whole bunch of ideas um and then jane elliott episode happened and it went off and so I was like, all right, this is a perfect time to launch my course. And so I launched it. Know your enemy, the evolution of racism. Shout out to William Johnson. He's the first person that responded. It was like, hey, man, you still doing that course? Because I had I had put it out, started marketing in June. Didn't hear nothing. And then August, like the first week of August, William hits me up and I was giving, I was like, all right, I'm not even, cause I hadn't even made the course. I just knew exactly what I wanted to talk about, but I hadn't made no slides, no nothing. And then William hit me up in August. Like, Hey man, you still doing that course? I want to enroll. I was like, for real? He was like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you doing it right. I was like, yeah, in my mind, I wasn't going to do it because nobody responded, but William was the first person to respond. So William responded first week of August and then I was every day, I was full systems go, like working during the day. Um, and I think at that time I was working for temporarily for the Black United Fund. I was doing um, I was doing ASP virtually for SEI. So still monetizing. And then at, at night from like nine to two in the morning, I was working on putting together an eight week, 16 hour digital course that I would teach over Zoom called Know Your Enemy, The Evolution of Racism. And so I just went into full mode, like created promo videos, so on and so forth. And I started marketing hard for like 45 days up until the launch that was set for mid or late September. And uh, and the funny thing is, William didn't even actually sign up. <laughs> Shout out to you. It's no, no shame. But it's like, but it, William served the purpose that I needed. William was like, he made me believe in what I was doing. Cause I had given up and I was just, I was only marketing via the podcast. I hadn't done any posts really on social media too much. Had made no 
promo marketing video but when he did that that's when I went into full promo mode made the marketing video put a whole bunch of pics together pictures together put it in iMovie did a voiceover put a common instrumental in the background and I did that and I got like six people signed up in in a week or two you know what I mean and it was just like whoa this is happening right and so um so yeah so that was that was the beginning of me going into this journey that I'm in now is full-blown you know DEI practitioner diversity equity and inclusion um so incorporated that into my socks and sandals LLC with a DBA of um, YPD equity consulting right and so the podcast opened me up to do the work that I really wanted to do was helping people dismantle in their mind the ideology of racism white supremacy we have to unlearn it and then we have to replace it with ideals and patterns of thought speech and action that will produce justice right and so um I created the course I ended up doing four different cohorts you know virtually during the pandemic through 2020 and 2020 2020 and 2021 and um had a lot of folks tap in man a lot of folks that listen to the podcast even folks um that were that I knew personally but folks that just knew me from the Jane Elliott like folks are signing up from Minnesota and Atlanta and LA and you know all over the country they were tapping in you know what I mean and it was just a beautiful thing and so I created that and then out of my first cohort, I'll never forget it. Linda Green, who I talked about, who was connected to that Jane Elliott, you know, William Johnson, Paul in regards to third. Linda was in that first cohort. Shout out to her. Shout out to Paul Jerome Peters. I had him on the racial identity um, series and uh, among others and uh, other episodes. And those two, they really encouraged me like to train the trainers. Like, don't just stick to your audience. Like you need to get into schools. You need to get into organizations. You need to you need to teach actual DEI courses within within corporate America because what they're giving us is real fluffy and what you're giving us is what people actually need and they can actually learn and and make sustainable change from what you're teaching and I knew my stuff was heavy because I know how I give it up but I didn't realize how impactful it was and it could be until I did it and so that really got me inspired to continue to create workshops and trainings and i'm at the point now where um you know i I have i have a contract with prosper portland to do uh, racial equity training on-call contract with them on-call contract um that's on the way with uh well i don't want to say it until it happens but i got another one on the way i just got awarded but just waiting waiting to get the paperwork signed and um yeah and i've and i've been doing you know multiple gigs all over you know virtually all over the country and and but locally doing multiple gigs locally and continuing to get new clients and this this um this branch of business is just going in a totally different direction um in a, in a direction that I really want it to go and so it's it's like do I put more time into my business or do I put more time into my podcast that's been the struggle and that's been the reason why you know, 2021, 2022, I hadn't been potting as much. Now I was able to go to, um, GMP studios here locally in Portland, a black owned podcasting studio because of, 
you know, the revenue that was coming in from these gigs. Right. And so I was like, man, now I got some extra money in my pocket. I can reinvest into the into the business, into the pod. And I can actually give. My I wanted to give y'all like I wanted to give the listeners a high level, high quality audio visual visual, like the highest quality version of socks and sandals. And I didn't plan on doing that forever. I knew it was just going to be a temporary thing uh, just for a few months because I knew my money was going to run out eventually because it wasn't cheap. But I had a great time and I'm so glad to be able to give that look and give that quality um, and just to know the type of quality that I could put out and how I could put other people that I really love and admire on and give them high quality clips so that they can promote their business. Cause that when I was in the studio, it was all basically entrepreneurial. Cause I understood the marketing value of having high quality audio and high quality video, especially the video portion. And so, um, so my, my racial equity practitioner business has just taken me in a different direction. And, and now, you know, some of y'all know I'm working for the Black United Fund full time. I'm the community justice, justice and equity coordinator. Been doing that since September of 21. Um, and the pod, you know, allowed me the time to refocus my mind and and wait for the opportunity to do to only do the work that I'm thoroughly interested in. Right. Like I only do what I'm passionate about now. And uh, I love that. I absolutely love it. And I wouldn't have I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, the pod has afforded me to do that. And now I'm I'm going to be able I am able to step into that in, in, a, in a greater way, in a way that I never thought I could, you know. And so I say all that to say. The pod has delivered me to this moment and it is at this moment that I step back and say farewell and thank you. And I just want to express my gratitude to everyone that has listened. Once again, everyone has been a part, has so many guests, like 190 episodes and probably over a hundred guests. I haven't counted. Um, but most of this has been dialogue. Even my son, man, I had Elijah on, man, we was going to the studio at cable and we was recording and had some dope episodes, had my wife on the show. You know what I mean? Um, just just so many amazing episodes, man. So many amazing people. Um who can I who can I shout out who I haven't shouted out before I get up out of here, man? Too many Shabri Vickers, man. Shout out to Shabri. Shout out to Tessa May. Um hip hop social worker Chris. Um uh, who else, man? My guy Sanaba. Sanaba Kuyate. Uh episode one fourteen was amazing. Mike Cage, G Wade. Uh, Shanice Clark when she was running for office uh, Rodeo Ramonte Ramonte Harris man shout out to you bro I already said Tyler Monk um, Art Williams had him on episode 118 my guy Austin Schneider Camille El- Elmore Trummer Karen Burrow um, man who else who else uh, oh my guy Mario what's Mario last name I remember his last name later. Quincy Robinson, man. Shout out to you. Um, who else have I not mentioned? Haruka Anu. Uh, Zaylacia. Shout out to Zay. Had her on episode 72. Luel Fantra. Of course, Luel, man. Luel has done so much work with me over the years, ever since the pod. 
Um, the pod brought us back together. Like we was always cool. We known each other for a long time. We had our we had our little Christian arguments on Facebook. <laughs> you know what I mean? Our Christian dogmatic ideology, ideological arguments. Um, but the pod brought us together, and our connection is is for life, man. You know what it is, Brock. It's, I could go on and on, but um, he's done so much for me, man. Done some some great video work for me, some promo stuff for me. Um, done some things you know while i've been at the uh at black united fund so shout out to you uh shout out to jake doctor we did a great episode trinell doyle trinell we had you on a couple of times and that was that was really dope r.i.p to tony funches um man that the backstory of him getting on the pod is, is, is something else man but shout out to you bro we had some great conversations um uh sharon maxwell Ah, Maria Garcia. Ugh. Ah. She hated on the on the fund. Um on the Oregon Carriers Fund. Terrence, man, Boog. Shout out to Boog, man. We had the comrade conversations. Me, Boog, and Paul. That was a dope series. That was a dope series. Shout out to Mighty. Episode 76, Laced Up PDX. Um, I could go on and on, man, but once again, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Um, please stay in contact with me. Follow me on instagram emmanuelwilliams.co follow me on twitter at sxsndls i'm gonna keep that um love grace peace and blessings to you all i bid you adieu farewell we will bring this thing to a close and let me let me end this with some of the fullness, some of the fruit of the maturation that this pot has brought me um, personally and spiritually. Um, because of this journey, I've developed my own set of of uh, affirmations. Um, and let me leave this with you as I close out the podcast. So. And feel free to take these affirmations and, and use them at your own discretion. The essence and root of my being is unconditioned and unlimited in its creative capacity. I am totally free of the control by likes, dislikes, love, hatred, anger, fear, and a whole host of emotions and desires. There are no conditioned reflex patterns that can force me to respond in a determined manner. That which I will to achieve is in harmony with the will of the whole. Therefore, I am able to intuit the will of God. I am indivisible duality. I am divine. I am man. I am. That's my latest affirmation. And um, the affirmation that I created, kind of 10, I call them my 10 universal affirmations. I created this at the time of um, putting together the Know Your Enemy Evolution of Racism um, curriculum. So my 10 universal affirmations. I will always be authentic. I will lead with love. I will own and control my economic affairs. I will invest, acquire skills, and manifest constructively. I will think, speak, and act in abundance. I will do uncomfortable work. I will surrender the outcome. I will declutter. I will stay true. I will finish strong once again it's the socks and sandals podcast where society culture history and religion collide and we 
unapologetically discuss our worldviews. I love y'all. I am eternally grateful. Grace and peace.